Absolute silence. This is Naomi, and welcome to our podcast. Yeah, good job. Um, so, um, I remember hearing this for the first time, and it's just, this verse is really, um, a verse that I read many times, and it talks about, um, when Jesus meets, um, Simon. And, you know, Simon is not really living a life according to the gospel. He is not really that great of a person at all. And, you know, he, they meet the Messiah, which is, you know, in a way, they meet the rabbi, which is the teacher. And, and if the verses, and it says, and he brought him to Jesus. Um, now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, and he said, you should be called Cephas, which is, in tradition, called a stone. Um, so we're talking about this guy who, like, met right here at that moment and then it's just he said he looks at him and says you know what you're going to be called Cephas now a stone you're not you're no longer going to be called, called Simon and at first I was just you know wh why did that happen uh what's the what's the context in that line um and I said and as I heard about this it really blew me away so I want to start by um Simon Peter so it's one of perhaps the most below character in the bible apart from Jesus himself so it has a lot of reasons why. I think his personality, his mixture of saint and sinner in one person. Um, this, this story is how Peter is really one of the most relatable because he's just a saint, but he's also a, a normal dude who messes up a lot, a lot of times. It's just perhaps the reason we like him so much is because I can relate to him in a way that I, that I see myself in. And it says, um, this, and now let's focus our attention in this verse a little minute. So um, it says, Peter means, in Greek, it means um, Cephas, which is means in Aramaic. Simon means Kevin, which means um, her. So it's, um, so if there's a way it consciousness says the verse um, Simon, and then it calls him, it should be called now Cephas. And then and Cephas in, the, in, in Aramaic, it should be, it, it erased to Peter, which is in Greek. Um, and then I want to read when it says, the way that God looks at you, um, the way that Jesus looks at us. Um, I do this personally. Uh, when I see somebody for the first time, um, the first thing is my mind is to kind of like evaluate the way they look um, and then the way they speak. Um, maybe certain things that they do. And I, I myself judge a lot of people. And it's not, it's something that I must stop to do doing. Um, I judge people that I really don't know. I don't know anything about it, but I just look at him and I'll be like, oh, that looks like a person I don't want to hang out with. And I've done it a lot of times. And to say that I don't do it, I, I do it a lot of times. But when God looks at you and when he looks at me, when Jesus looks at you, it looks in a way that we don't understand yet. And there's a big revelation to us in that way. So if you guys can go, well, it's um, the first thing that I learned from this is the God, um, Jesus looks at you with a double, double optic vision. And you might wonder, what is that supposed to mean? Well, it says that when God looks into you, he looks at two persons and not one. And you may be wondering, so what is that supposed to mean? So... We see that God looks at um, Simon the first, and He says, "Now you should be called Cephas," and, and it's the first time they make him. So, in the context of um, in Hebrew, when it's meant in the in the New King James version, it says, "It says when Jesus beheld him, He said to our Simon the son of Jonah, to it should be called Cephas,' which is interpreted as stone. Um, beheld 
um, in the word Greek means to look through. And it's really looking through you, looking through all of who you are. Um, and it says, and it says, when Jesus Christ looks at your life, he always looks at you with a double vision. He always looks at you by focally. He sees no one person but two. When Jesus looks at Simon Peter in the moment of the first encounter, he saw two people. First, Jesus saw Simon as he was. So when God looks at you, he looks at you at the moment. He looks, he knows everything about you. He knows the way that you are. But he saw Simon the real minute then existing. Um, he says, probably the first time that Simon and Jesus met, um, Simon was not the person he wanted to be when he met Jesus. Which is kind of interesting because we think that we need to be this um, cool, uh, perfect, genuine Christian. But um, God wants you to be genuine to him, be honest, just to give him you know, the good and the bad on your life. Um, he doesn't look for a perfect per person, but he looks for someone who's willing to serve him and is willing to repent for what he has done. And when he looks at Simon for the first time, he he saw a cursing, strange freshman. He saw the weak, unstable, undependable brother of Andrew. He saw a man of hard, rash, impulsive nature. Um, I'm pretty sure that Peter had probably thought at times, times, you know, God, just make me into the person you want me to be. And they got frustrated because he was just, he's a really dude who, uh, who messes up. And then he says, um, but when Jesus first saw Peter, Peter was not what God wanted me to be at all. Um, when God looked at me he, and looks at you, uh, we're not we're not the person that he wants us to be. And we can't. Um, we're sinners. Uh, we all have foster of the glory of God. Um, we have the ability not to do any good, but we don't have it in ourselves. Because our flesh, our flesh my flesh, wants to do what is opposite of God. Um, and this prayer is against what the flesh wants. So it's a, it's a spiritual battle going on into our lives. But, um, and then the second, which is number B, it says Jesus saw someone as he could be. And what I mean by that, when Jesus also saw something else when he looked at Peter. Um, and this is where I, first time I heard this, I was just, um, it made a lot of sense when he says he not only saw the real man Peter as he was, but he saw Peter as he could be. Um, God wants to shape our lives with His grace, and it's something that just doesn't happen like this in a moment. It happens through a process. It's a daily devotion, and you know when you start, when you get saved, it's just the beginning of a new life, and people see that's just the destination, but it's not really. It's just it's the beginning of something God has for you as a vision. He has a purpose in your life that if you really let Him in your life and if you give Him the authority over all, He'll lead you into the right paths, um, and then. To continue, because the two men, what Simon and what he could be, were so different that each of them required a different name. So when he looked at Simon, Jesus said, You should do a Simon looking at him he, he, as he could be. He said to him, You should be called Cephas or Rock. So when Jesus looked through him, he says, I can, I see you, I see who you are, and I, and I want you to be this person by my Father's grace. I can see you being something great for the kingdom of God. And that's something that I was blown away by because when I see people, I see what they are at the moment, but I don't see. I do not see what they can be in Jesus Christ by the grace and love that God can shape people into the you know into the image. And I'm personally in my own life. If you guys know a little bit about testimony, I have a lot of things that I'm not proud of that I've done, that I wish that I could go into the past and fix, but I can't. So I'll give you an example. Um, there was during um, I'm not sure it was during school, and it was it was actually happened in Mexico and. Um, what happened is we had we had a teacher who um, didn't get paid enough, so he left he left the classroom really. Um, and then everybody started fighting. They were assigning throwing books and pencils, and 
you know, um, I got into that too. Um, I usually took two years of karate because I wanted to learn how to fight and defend myself. And usually when it went down, I would fight with with the kid, like literally punch punches to the face and stomach. Um, yeah, that's something that I, I look as fun, but um, it was probably hurting him, and it's something that I'm not proud of because I. I thought that something funny, something good could be starting as a game, but and then it became something more serious. Um, I'm going to start with um, some of the Bible examples that Jesus Christ looks at a person, and he sees not one person but two. The first one says, He looked at Simon and saw Peter, and he looked at Saul of Tarsus and saw Paul the Apostle, Acts 13.9. He looked, he looked at Jacob the lion sheep and saw Israel the prince with God, Genesis, Genesis 32.28. And it says, when, when Jesus looks at you or me, he sees two people, the one that I am and the one that he came out of me. And to me, this is so precious because God is so optimistic about it. Um, you don't realize how much you can do in his presence. If you would have told me two or three years ago that I would be talking right now in front of you, I would have told you that you're lying there. I would have laughed at you and I would have walked away. This is what I would have told you. Because I said, I don't, I'm not, I've, I'm shy. Um, I'm insecure sometimes. I don't like to talk in front of people. And I said I would never do that. But trust me, if you lay, trust God in all that you do, He will lead you into things that you never thought that you could do. And it's all the glory and the praise to Him only. Um, the second thing is, um, He sees us with a divine optimism. And what do you mean by divine optimism? It's, it's a view which is hopeless with confidence to be a better outcome. So. During the days of his public ministry, Jesus was called, was called the friend of sinners in Matthew 11, 19. So they were asked, they were said to him, You know, this man received sinners and their meaning as a criticism. However, Jesus regarded it as a compliment. He saw close relationships with all kinds of men. You know, he cultivated the friendships, not because they, they, he thought they were, were saving, but he believed they could be saved. So um, this is one of the things that I realized the most, that people who don't know about Christ, they have such a potential that if you believe, if you have faith, that if you ask God and if you pray for them, um, I wholeheartedly believe that He will answer your prayers and that He will, that you'll see see planted on them. And it's something so powerful about Jesus that He will literally eat with sinners and tax collectors and the world just criticize Him, but He will take that as a compliment. And that to me just shows the way that we can be your friends. We can be friends to people who really don't have a lot of friends. Maybe to people who have not, um, how can I say, have not a stable um, emotions, maybe people who feel like shame, maybe people who feel that outcast, who feel bully. Um, there's people who, believe it or not, in school are suffering right now and they're damaged. They're broken inside and from the outside. And you might not see it, but there's people in school like that. And we must be on the lookout for that. Um, and then we talk about, um, you know, you might look at yourself as a hopeless case, but Jesus Christ is not. Um, you may say, you might, I messed up so many times, I've, you know, I sinned, I've done this and this and this, and, you know, I've, I don't deserve to be used by God. But, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch this happen, because Christ do not, does not look for someone who looks perfect, he looks for someone who is sinner. You know, look, just look at Peter, he was not a perfect guy in any way, he was a cursing fisherman, and that's all he was, and he had no respect for all this whatsoever. But when God saw that, he had faith in him, he believed in him. And then he became one of the most popular, you know, person in the Bible. And to me, that says a lot about Jesus. When I see Andrew, it gives me a lot of happiness because I know that God will do great things through him. You know, he has a desire to worship and desire to sing for him. And I believe the one day he will, he will lead worship. 
and I see something in that, I see something in every one of you guys. Believe it or not, you guys are called to do something greater than what you think. You guys are called to do something in His name, for His kingdom. You know, things that will actually be counted in heaven. It's the things that, you know, Jesus Christ will do through you. You know, sports, you know, that's cool, it's fun. You know, doing video games, that's fun, that's cool. But those things will perish. Those things are just, you know, are not everlasting. You know, the things you do on Christ, for His kingdom, those are the most important things and the most valuable. Um, and then the second one, she says, now this optimism, she says, is a realistic optimism. Um, it's not blind eye like we think it is today. Um, the text says, you know, she says, be, be, beheld him. So in a way, he looked through. He literally reads that he looked into him, describing the gaze that sees the individuals through and through and reads his character like an open book. See, when Jesus Christ see, sees you with a kind of spiritual x-ray vision, and what I mean by that, he knows it all. He knows your weaknesses, he knows your sins, he knows um, your, your reputation, he knows the things that people say about you, he knows it all, every little thing. Um, there's nothing he, you, there's nothing that is hidden from him. Um, everything that is in darkness, that has to come to the light, he knows it all. And it says, you know, all the sin and shame that, you think it, that, that we think is hidden, lays naked in, and open to Jesus' searching and penetrating gaze. No one knows as much about human nature as Jesus does. He knew exactly what, what kind of man Peter was, and exactly what kind of person you and me are. So, at this point, um, when we read about um, John 2, 25, says, Jesus needed not anyone to testify to him about men, for he knew what was in men. See, Jesus already knew what man was made of, which is hatred, which is selfishness, which is bitterness, which is just nothing that is good on, on, on behalf of, the, of God. And it says, in point three, it says, see what people can be. Um, we look at our lives and say they're empty, but we see that there's no virtue, there's no goodness, there's no possibility there. But when Jesus looks at those same people and he looks at us, he sees potential. Um, when he said to him, you are Simon, as if, as, as if he said to him, you know, I know all about you, I know full of well the character that is associated with that name. I know all the people say about you and much more. I know your reputation on the lake. I know about all your weaknesses and I know what is in your heart and your mind. You are Simon. And then his glorious optimism reveals itself when he says, Knowing Simon as he does, he adds, Thou you should be called Cephas, a rock. And, and to me, what, what can we be in him? Um, it's, truly, it's truly a person that we can do. It's, it's the Spirit and God in you that can really transform you who you are nowadays. Um, I struggle with a lot of things in my life that uh, you guys don't know about, that I'm planning to share today. I have a praise for him. I have something that I that I have overcome with his power. And uh, most of you guys know me that I talk about philosophy. Um you guys heard my testimony, um, but it's a big part that you guys don't know about, a big part of the testimony. And I didn't call it testimony because I decided not to share about it because I thought that I, I was just struggling with it. You know, i done things that you guys have no idea how bad they are. You guys may see me and you think, well, it's Isaac, look, look at him. Look at how proud and it's really not me. 
It's not me. About two years ago, um, I was sitting in the TV, and you know I was watching TV, and I was going to the channels, and and I saw this image that will forever be in my mind, and you know it's really showing a case of you know two persons having like um, relationship with each other, um, and I do recall that really well, and once I saw that, once it was in my mind. Then it was just keep going, and I didn't do anything about it. It was just it'll go away. There's a reason why I talk about purity a lot. There's a reason why I talk about being modest, about watching your hearts and your mind. There's a reason why I say you know, just spend time with God daily. Just seek His presence. The more you seek Him, the more you know about Him. The less you see yourself that you need Him. Elliot is one of my best friends that I have, and I admire him so much because he seeks the Lord every day. He genuinely wants to serve Him in whatever that He does. He wants to love God with all his mind and heart and soul. With his mind, what he sees, what time, what kind of music does he listen to, what he sees on TV and YouTube and his phone, he glorifies God in, in all those ways. In his mind and his soul, he, he seeks the Lord every day. He spends time daily. That's when he wakes up, that's the first thing he does is to pray. I just talk to God about himself, about how much he needs him. Believe it or not, when I was in fields of faith, I was going through something that it was not good at all. You might wonder, I'm, I'm the only one who's doing it, but you're not. I'm doing it too. Thanks to God, because I was able to open up to Elliot, I overcome that because of his grace and power, not because of what I did. I just want to say that I'm sorry. I haven't been completely honest with every one of you. And I've not. I've talked about things that have really meant a lot to me. And you guys don't even know why it means a lot to me. You know, I've seen pornography. And it's something that is so bad and so destroying. That is so... You have no idea how it handles your relationship with God. And it's something that I must say because i done it. And because of people's, because of that friendship that I have with Ellie, I was able to open up and say, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm struggling with. And I hated it, every minute of it. It gives pleasure, but it gives it goes away. You don't think of it, but it's, it does, really. It, it, is big, it is something big, it's a big deal. Whatever it is, it, it, it is. Ellie just asked me, you know what, I need to pay for this for me because you know, this is taking my virtue with God. This is taking my pace away from Him. You know, I want to serve Him, but I can't because I'm doing this. You know, believe it or not, I've done it. I've seen it. I've played with myself. Believe it or not, I've done it. And it's not me. You might wonder, wow, it's Isaac doing it. It's just to see that it's not me. It's God in myself. It's the spirit of God in me that works through people. And it's something so horrible. It really is. You know, people do it nowadays. Teenagers are with kids now because of the phones, the electronic devices. And it's something that is, it, takes, it takes away so much peace and love and blessings that God has for your life. But you cannot serve two masters. You deserve one or the other. Because what is what spirit against the you no know, the spirit of this world is against what the spirit of God. You cannot be hot or warm. You have to you cannot be in the middle. You're either hot or cold. And that's what I'm telling you today.
Because the day that I say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I abandoned my knees and I said to the Lord, you know what, this is what I done, this is what I seen, and I'm not part of this. You know, when I was in philosophy, I was like, God, why me? You know, I'm tired of this. Why, why me? You know, I don't deserve this. Why, why did you call Ellie to do it? Why me? I'm, I'm not worthy of this. I can't talk about up in front of my peers while I'm doing this. I can't. You know, I was tired of it. And I, I asked him, you know, God, I just, you know, just help me. I asked him, forgive me for, for what I've done. And I, and I asked him every day, every day. And he said, you know what? You have to go. You have to confess. You have to tell to somebody. And it's, and it's so important, guys, to realize that whatever you have, whatever is sin that is in your life will hinder your relationship with him so much. You have no idea. But God called me to step on the stage and talk about his presence. But you know what I said? I said, I cannot say about the things that I'm struggling with because I've not overcome it. And I always thought, you know, a testimony is when you have overcome this with, with Christ. And I didn't. And I kept it to myself. But he still, God was merciful and loved me because his mercy and love is every day. It's all day. You know, if you mess up one day, it's about starting all over again. You know, I've moved on that. I don't watch it anymore. I don't even think about it anymore. I pray for those women who are living a life about giving themselves away, about giving their body something so precious that it was only meant for a husband and for that person. You know, something so beautiful that we don't understand. You know, I'm telling you this, guys, because, you know, I was downstairs and we're talking about all of how great Isaac is and how he's going to become something great and it, it bothered me because it's not, it's not me. You know, I'm this is selfish, angry, you know, lossful person right here. You know, I sure we lost a lot of the times. Believe it or not, I do. I do. I'm not afraid to say it. I, sh you know, you know, I, I'm, I don't have that shame anymore because God has forgiven me. You know, I'm a new creation in His eyes. You know, I talked to Ellie about it and I said, you know what, I'm tired of this. You know, I, I got there and I said, I have this, this, and this. And I just give it all to God. The good, the bad, the things that I don't like, things that I like, I give it all to Him. My desires, my dreams, the things that I want to do, they're all His. Give it to Him. I dare you test Him. He will answer you. And I want you to say that you're not alone. Whatever you're going through, you know, I'm, I've done it. And thanks to, you know, confessing myself to other people and talking and forgiveness, God will forgive you. And, you know, I'm not ashamed of that. You can call me that. You can call me a liar. You can call me, you know, I said, you kept this a long time. It was hard for me to keep it this way. But now because he has forgiven me, I'm happy to say that I don't, I don't watch it anymore. I don't, it's not part of my life anymore. Now every day that I go and wake up, I give things to him because every day I have to remind myself of who I was. Every day I have to remind myself what am I supposed to do. Every day I have to keep myself clean. I have to have a pure heart and pure mind. And I don't have, and I cannot do that if I have my phone with me. I don't can't do that if I'm watching this that does not glorify God. When it says love you God with all your mind, it talks about why you put into your brain, why you put into this. Is it is it is it only you know causing? Is it just making fun? Is it bullying? Is it just you know insecurities? Is maybe you feel like you you're not enough? Trust me, I expect you to tell God use me in a good way. Take away everything that I have and He will guide you to the right paths. You know, first Timothy four two says, "Then no one despises you, but instead you should be the example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity." It says in conduct, and whatever you do, your actions, whenever you go to church, whatever you go at home, at school, that you glorify God, that you love people with all your heart, that you because love is not a feeling, my friend. Love is not a feeling. You know those feelings you feel for your boyfriend or old person, and I'm not saying that those are bad, but that's not real love. That's not real love. The love is an action. It was when Jesus, you know, was walking that hill. When he had the cross on all the ways of the sins that you may have committed, it he was carrying that for you. When he was doing uphill, you know, when people were beating him, when people were just whipping him, 
just telling, you know, cursing, just, you know, doing all these bad things to Jesus, which he didn't understand, he didn't understand because he was righteousness. He was the perfect lamb. He who know, he knew no sin became sin because of you and me. And therefore, we should act like kids, like the Son of God. You might be wondering, well, I'm just, I don't know about that, Isaac, but, um, you know, if you want to talk, uh, if you if you want to talk to me about it, I can tell you all about it. It's um, this has been something that in my life that has really hindered me, and, and you have no idea, and you have no idea how bad it is. Trust me, if you if you doing if you've done the same thing that I've done, trust me, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. So I just want to get that out of that way. Um, the reason I wear this ring, some some people might wonder, you know. And Matthew talks about like to not commit adultery, um, and Jesus says if you lost for a woman, you have already committed adultery. And you know I've I committed adultery. I've you know sinned against my future wife, and I pray God He takes away the feelings, He takes away those thoughts that I have because every day I have to I have to seek His presence, and I have to renew myself. And He's pouring out to me every day, every day. It's starting over again. And I'm thankful to say that he has been faithful to me and he has given me strength not to do anything of that anymore. And this rings, it means that, you know, I made a covenant now, a promise with God that from now on I will keep myself, my eyes to him only. You know, that I will run the race that he has set before me with endurance strength, that I will put aside any sin that has hindered hinder me with, with his presence. And I promise that when I put this on, when I go to school, I will keep my eyes to him only. My focus on Jesus. Um, I just felt like I needed to say that. Um, and it's good to be here. And so I was lost. I don't know where I lived anymore. But um, so we have Peter. Um, we have this selfish, cursing um, person, and then we have. And in a way, we see that Jesus has. He has. He doesn't see a hopeless case. So he doesn't see you. Um, I just told you this because, you know, I'm that case. I thought I was hopeless. You know, I wanted to serve him and I wanted to love God and I wanted to love people, but I couldn't serve on my master until I fully put the light, things that were in the darkness, up to the light. So, um, okay. So, going back to the optimism, which he says is an idealistic optimism, um, it means the pursuit of the high noble uh, purposes. Um, but I mean, could Jesus be anything less than idealistic and still be who he was? Um, what I mean by that, this is unco unconquerable, idealistic optimism, at least partially explains the secret of his redeeming power. It was the, this optimism that helped to redeem and save Simon. When Andrew brought him to Jesus, Simon was perhaps downcast and ready to despair. And then when Andrew said, we, we have found the Messiah, Simon did not think the message concerned him much. Peter probably thought that if Jesus wanted disciples, it was surely steady, reliable man like Andrew that he wanted, not impulsive and valiant man like himself. But when the first words she spoke to him put a new courage into his heart, new resolution into his soul, for they were words of glorious and, and, um, and hope. And it says, you should be called Simon, now you should be called Peter, and this word should be selfless. And at the moment, Peter's redemption began. And it says, doesn't our redemption always happen at this point when we follow the case of Jesus and look right through the, what, we, what we are to what we, he knows we can become? This optimism of Jesus explains his ability to save many who seem 
utterly beyond saving. He saved, uh, saved people, sinners, because he first believed they could be saved. Jesus Christ never met a hopeless case. As an example, when Jesus faced Zacchaeus, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, the wicked tax collector, he said to him, Do, um, do our oath a son of Abraham, and the little man could hardly believe his ears. And it says that he knew that he saw his Jewish birthright, his spiritual heritage, by becoming a traitor to the hated Gentile Romans. Men had called him every man in the books. She is a large a thief, but no, no one had ever said things as this to him before. And, and it says the discuss when he thinks or crew when Jesus visited Zacharias, Jesus says to him, A great salvation has come to your house today. Then Jesus asked, What do you see that made you desire this peace? Zacharias replies, Good master, I saw I saw mirror in your eyes the face of Zacharias I was meant to be. And so it is with one of us. When we look into the eyes of God in Jesus, we see ourselves as God meant, meant us to be like. And think of the boundless optimism he showed with, with regard to others. He found Mary the Magdalene, I hope I'm saying that. It says, in her shame, it spoke to her, you should be, and it says, forgiveness and purity. He found Leva, a hard, greedy tax collector, and spoke to him, you should be of a sainthood and service, and he became Matthew. He found Saul of Tarsus, a blasphemer, a persecutor, and spoke to him, You should be of grace and apostleship, and he became Paul. And it says, what is the, And what is that the Jesus that he can do in your life? His optimism with Jesus is both idealistic and realistic. Um, not perfection, but potential to become, develop into something new. Um, Jesus did not see the per their perfection, but he, but he did see the potential in them. He says, we, when we seek to make disciples, we should also look for the potential in people. We, we must look beyond what a person is to see what he can become. No person should be cemented into his present character and conduct. Some of the world's most glaring jewels do not shine when they are first found. There are, they are only dull stones and must be caught and ground before they, grow, they glow with the colors of the rainbow. This optimism of Jesus is both idealistic and realistic because it is based on the love, grace, and power of God. When Jesus was optimistic about someone because he knew what the grace of God could do in a human life when given a chance, in John 1, 12, there's a verse that it says, it is often used for soul winning, but seldom for any other purpose. It says, the verse says, as many as received to them gave the heat Gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Just look at this again. For just a moment, let's drop the last part of the verse and see the truth of God. It says, As many as as many as receive Jesus Christ, to them he gives the power to become. If we ever are to become what he wants us to be, we, we must have power to become. The power comes only when we receive Jesus Christ into the place of absolute authority that he desires and deserves in our lives. Finally, Jesus Christ oversees people with a defined object in his mind, in Christ's total vision. Wordless? I don't think so. Jesus Christ wants to conform you into his, per into his person. Romans 8.29 talks about he wants us to, to make you like him. God wants to conform you into the image of his dear son. And it says, follow the history of Simon and you will find a fascinating progression. At first, he acted almost completely out of his Simon nature. 
They sailed him out of the seafloor's nature. And when he touched Jesus, causing Simon, then a while later he shipped back and forth like sand between Simon and Cephas, and Jesus called him Simon Peter. And finally, after years of Jesus Christ discipling his life, he became to act almost completely like Cephas, the nature of him, making, making him like a rock-like, almost never like Simon. And you never heard him call Simon again. People, Jesus Christ can do the same thing for you. The key determining factor is your obedience. Give him your life daily and watch what happens. This is something that I learned in the hard way. Um, I, I realized that if I wanted to be obedient, um, I had to be obedient to his word. Um, and James talks about, you know, giving the sins to, telling the sins to his children so they might be healing. And I was obedient about loving others, um, about loving God, um, being hospital, um, being, being that loving person that God wants us to be, serving, making disciples. But I was not obedient on the part of telling sins to other people. I kept it to myself because I felt ashamed and I felt like I was in this pit that had no end. I felt like, you know, I felt like if I would say something, people would judge me. People would see me as something that I'm not. But I see that as to show that in our weaknesses, in our struggles, in our darkest, deepest days, His power is shown. When we see ourselves downfall, falling, God can lift you up from there. And then His mighty power can do it through you. That just shows how powerful God is. How He can bring from dead people to alive people. It's not about making bad people good. It's about bringing people who are spiritually dead to get to know Him better and better. And that's something that I learned the highway. And then it says, um, and it says, Jesus Christ wants to use you to fulfill His plan. Acts 1.8 So this is one of the coolest things that I, you know, I, I always fascinates me. Because God has given us such a gift. And that's the gospel. And we might wonder, well, that's, that's just not a big deal. It is a big deal. Because we, we have the right, since we're sons of God, to share about His ministry, about his, the wonderful news. And if we don't live it out, if we don't, have, if we don't know what it means to ourselves, then we must evaluate ourselves first. We, might, we, might, we need to pray to Him. You know, God, I don't know what save, saving is. I don't know if I've even saved. What is that supposed to mean? You know, God, show me. You know, I tell you to read the word. I tell you to seek counsel. Um, call the counsel from people older than you. And I tell you to put time and effort into his presence. Because God will not, God is willing to use your grace to shape you into the person he wants you to be. But it has to take time and obedience. And something that it takes a while. It's a process. Um, it's not going to be like, don't, you're a different person. It'll be, it'll take years. It'll take, it'll take a lifetime. And it never, you will never have to stop. Being a Christian is about starting over again, and it's about it's about always always trying to do what is His will and what is best for people, and not to put ourselves in first. It's, it's not to seek your own will, but it's to seek His first. And it's just and this is uh, we say, look at how Jesus used Peter. So Peter had become the mighty preacher of the day of, of Pentecost, and this is um, three thousand people were were won to Christ. Peter became one of the most greatest leaders of the apostles and the early church. Peter the apostle to the Jews and the and Paul the apostle of the Gentiles. Peter became the writer of the two great books of the New Testament. First, Second Peter, books full of optimism, courage, faith, and hope. It is obvious then that the by focal vision and balanced optimism of Jesus were fully justified in the life of Simon of Simon Peter. So what about us? What about you? What about me? It says. 
you know, when when Christ looks at you perfectly and with the most blessed kind of optimism, he sees you the way you are, weak, concerned, unfaithful, lustful, unchained, guilty, perilous. But he also sees you as a glorious, triumph, powerful, victorious as a Christian. No. When we talk about the names in Revelation 2 7, it talks about. It says. It says, Revelation 2, um, it says, Revelation 2 17, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat. I will give him a white stone. And on, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And between these two stands, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose presence is like a mighty bridge, flung across the great gulf that separates them. When you daily surrender and you leave the rest of him, he will carry you all the way home. And home to us may be a house, it may be um, our school, maybe it may be um, a place that you feel comfortable, maybe you feel like a place where you feel secure, but only our truly home is with our God. Um, he has made us a home in heaven, and, and He has made us a place to deal with Him and praise for Him forever. Um, but, you know, it's not just about just getting safe and not about just, you know, I have my ticket to heaven, that's all I have to do, I'm good. Um, salvation, like I said, it's not the end of your life is just the beginning. It's just a little tiny bit of the things that God has for you in store. And those things are going to happen once you let Him in your life. Once you give Him the, the authority to be, you know, to be your Lord. It's to be the Lord of all or Lord not at all. It's to give Him your time. It's to give Him your desires. It's to, it's to take up your cause and deny yourself truly. It's to fully surrender to Him every day. And you might wonder, what, is, what does surrender mean? is to lay down everything that you have and say, you know what, I'm, I'm powerless, I am weak, I am flesh. There's nothing in me that is good because honestly, it is you who can lift me up. It is you who can do things and I can't. Because every time that I try, I fail. Every time that I do it myself, I stumble. And I can't do this by myself, but only by your grace is that I can. And right now, all that I am and all that I ever will, I give it to you. The things that I did in the past are, for, are forgiven because of Jesus Christ, precious blood. And therefore, if you want to be the kid, if you want to be son of God, if you want to be a daughter of God, you should all at one. Because He has given you so much. He is faithful when we are not. He's there to love you in those days that you're struggling, in those days that you that you say, God, I don't want to spend time with you. He's with you all those times when you're suffering, when you feel alone, when you feel insecure, when you feel like you're not enough. God is with you all those times. He's there. He sees it all. He knows who you are. The full character from bottom to top, from head to toe. He sees it all. But you know, you must not hide from His presence. You must seek Him first. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It says seek His kingdom first. It says not seek, seek your will. Seek your friend. Seek your husband or your best friend. Seek, seek the kingdom of God first. And all these things will be added to you. God, know, God knows you. He, he knows that you want a wife. He knows that you want a husband. He knows that you want a family. He knows that you want to be you know, a nurse. He knows all your desires and all your dreams. But you must first bow down to Him and say, Lord, I am here now to ask you to please change me into the person you want me to be. Because I'm not. I'm hurting people. I'm feeling at it. 
I'm not the person you want me to be, and I'm ashamed, and I'm tired of that. I'm tired of just, you know, walking around and just pretending to be a happy face and putting a mask on. I'm tired of that. Give him all that you have, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty. Give it all to him. Give him your desires, and I promise you, test him on all your ways and value yourself, and he will bring you all the way home. He not only will give you new strength and power, but he will, he will give you wisdom. He will, he will give you things that you never thought that you could do. Trust me, he will bring you things that, you know, just just try God. Just test him. I dare you to spend every day to read his word, pray fast, talk to him. Talk to him like he was a person. Just don't pray to him only when we're at church. Pray to him at home. He says, God, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling this. I'm tired. I'm not passing my class. I'm feeling like this. You know, I, I, you know, I feel like I've done this. I messed up on this. I this. I did this, this, and this, and I want and I need help because I'm 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 just here. I'm just going up and down, and I truly cannot do it without you. And I need you to be in my life because of the Holy Spirit that is inside you, that lives in you. The Spirit of God who lives in you is this greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. But you must take to His promises and the things that He has told you because the things are to come. But we, we, do you want to be here ready? Do you want to serve God? When He comes back in, I want to be here serving the lovely people. I don't want to be asleep. I don't want to be wasted away just doing what I want with my life. My life is His. Because when I say, you know God, I accept you as my Savior, as my Lord and Savior. You're the King of Kings, Lord of all. There's no one like you, Father. You are only worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my singing, Father. Because you are the majesty, light, and power, Father. In darkness and light, I sing to you. You deserve all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Only you, God. Nobody compares to you. Nor my husband, nor my wife, nor my friend, nor my girlfriend, nor my best friend, nor my teacher. Nobody compares to you, but only you, God. Only you can fully satisfy me. Only you can truly complete who I am. This boy that I feel, this boy that I have inside, that I feel empty, only you can fill it with your overflowing water. It's this it is well that it, that we have to go to and drink from. So we will never be thirsty again. So we will never have to ask for something. So we don't have to go to people and, and you know, make us feel good and we laugh and we have a great time. So we can go to God and He's the only thing that we need. God is enough. I'm telling you, God is enough. And that's all you'll ever need. Jesus can make a difference in your life. And just try to be like Him. Follow His case. This is it. This is guys. This is the book that you have to follow every day. It says in Georgia, you just, you know, it says meditate on, on it and day or night, you know, it's recite it and you just, it says observe carefully everything that is written in it so they want, so that you'll be prosperous and in everything that you do. This is the word of God. Truly, this is, this is God's mind right here. This is what He wants in your life. But you need to put time in there for guys. It is obedience. I love you guys and I'm doing this because out of obedience, but I'm doing, this, I'm doing this out of love because He loved me first. Because He says, Isaac, I love you. And I don't care how much times you have failed me, how much times you have sinned, I love you and you're my son. And therefore, don't worry about anything else because because all my dear son, that has been paid. And therefore, you are freely given. You are have a new name. And therefore, you should stand up and you should walk with your head up. Pronouncing my name, Father. Giving all the glory to him, day and night, Father. Singing to him, praising God, all Almighty, is Yahweh. You know, the, my fortress, my king, my savior, my redeemer, my all. And my only thing that I decided to be with. That's just, um, it was something that I wanted to share with Tom. Um, at first, I just wanted to give this lesson, but I, I had to be honest. I had to be transparent with myself. Because I want you to see, guys, that it's not about me. 
Galatians 2 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, it says, it says, I'm not there anymore. Say, I'm not a perfect person, but I want, I want to strive to be like God every day. And I'll never get to be like Him, but we should never stop to be like Him. Every day, Father. Every day. Um, I just want to thank you, the, you know, for listening to me. Um, there's a lot to take in. I'm, I'm sorry if I didn't make sense, but I had to share this. I, I encourage you that if you have something that you feel to care about, um, maybe it's the need for something. Um, I'll tell you something from experience. If you're looking to, to if you're looking something, if you're looking for a boyfriend or for a relationship, or for something that you always desire, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will, will be. Also, if if your desire is to have a boyfriend so badly, think about your life again. Think about what you're doing. Evaluate yourself from top to bottom. Think about why do I want a relationship? What is this going to benefit me? Is this what God wants in my life? You know, pray to Him to guide you to the right paths. And I dare you to always, always spend time with Him daily, daily, because you'll be surprised at the things He can He can do, and the things that He can do through us. And I'm excited for the future to come. Um, I'm sorry that I, from my eyes, I didn't, I can't control it. But um, I would like to pray for every one of us. Um, and I want to do this kind of different. I don't know if I'm allowed to. I would wonder if we can all stand up and we can all. You know, hold hands and be in a circle if you can. Okay, um, I'll be praying. Um, if you guys want to pray alone, it's you guys are welcome to. Um, Let's just bow down our heads and just, just try to talk to him and just you know tell him the way we feel and the things that we're struggling with. Um, the things that we haven't said and the things that we have said to to fully surrender ourselves and to just um, really have to give credit to him and to, to see that we're not we're not worried of his love but therefore because of his son we are able to have a relationship with him. And let's let's praise him and let's pray please.